Hello and welcome to the ET podcast. My name is Mike Judge and I'm the editor of Evangelical Times. Now, why is it that so many Christians are listening to Douglas Wilson? That is the subject of an article in the March 2024 edition of ET, and I'm speaking today with that article's author, uh, Paul Smith. Paul is full-time uh, elder at Grace Baptist Church Broadstairs uh, in Kent. Uh, he's also director of ET and book reviews editor of ET. Uh, Paul, welcome to the podcast. For those who don't know, who is Douglas Wilson? Well, Douglas Wilson is a Presbyterian pastor from Moscow in Idaho uh, in the United States, uh, who is involved in different things, including um, a uh, uni Christian university, liberal arts college, um, involved in a, a publishing house, Canon Press, and a prolific blogger. And why is it then that so many Christians are attracted to Douglas Wilson and his material? Uh, as you've looked into this, why are so many Christians listening to him? Well, when I speak to people, I put them in probably two categories, um, male and female. And probably the, the men that I'm talking to are probably a bit more interested in his, what you might call, um, straight talking, uh, willing to hit the issues of the day and... Um, go probably sail close to the wind sometimes in, in the way that he might express that. Um, and some of the the ladies that I've been speaking to, um, they seem to be not necessarily interested in just Wilson, but also his wife, Nancy, his daughters, and a lot of the stuff on the Christian family. Um, and if they're homeschooling, there's a whole different angle that he has on that as well. And they appreciate resources from that. So uh, is Douglas Wilson then someone who very much engages in the cultural battles? Uh, some people call them the culture wars. Uh, does he in engage in those issues? Well, I think he would, he would delight in engaging in those issues. And um, one thing that he's, he's known for is, is starting fires or preparing to fight fires or engage in, in straightforward talking on the issues of the day rather than avoiding them. That's partly how he's made his name. And is that then a reaction to some churches that are really just trying to avoid those difficult subjects? Does does he feel that churches, Christians ought to be confronting more of these subjects? That's an interesting question. I, I don't know whether he's he's um, he began by reacting. He's certainly come out of a position of uh, federal vision or theonomy, which is certainly a very, very robust um, application of Christianity to the whole of life, which could perhaps be the way he first got into it, but I'm not so sure about his, his history. Now, there are some Christians um, who are not so happy with uh, Douglas Wilson and his, his approach to things. Why is that? Why are some Christians turned off by his approach? Well, I think in terms of his uncompromising position, if you're on the other side of something he's not compromising on, uh, the way he expresses his views could rapidly become offensive. So during COVID, he was um, very provocative in organising a an outdoor hymn sing. And if you were of a, a, a cautious uh, position on COVID, you, you, would, you would probably be quite offended by that. Um, I think some of the language he's been prepared to use 
uh, has not been helpful. Um, and although you could, he would probably say, well, the other people are raking up and making more of it than he has. He has chosen to use certain words that I certainly wouldn't use. Um, and that gives people a stick to beat him with. I've heard Douglas Wilson defend himself on that and say, look, as you look through the Bible, there are times and moments and episodes where you see faithful men of God confronting the culture in quite robust terms, um, almost using biting um, satire to criticise the godless culture. And all that he is doing is following that biblical model. Uh, I don't know if you've heard him say that. Well, I think you're right. In terms of the, the satire, I think his defence is... is is certainly uh, well thought through. If you were to read uh, certainly the Reformers, uh, Luther and so on, you'd, you'd certainly have some very robust talking. Um, I know he goes back to Elijah and the prophets of Baal, and I think he'd probably draw a distinction between um, the strength at which he would respond to people. He would go stronger against those who are absolutely denying the truth than those who are maybe a bit more confused. I think he, he you can see the logic of his defence on the level of, of satire. I think where he, he comes a bit unstuck is when he is prepared to uh, use uh, certain four-letter words um, to provoke, and I just don't think that is particularly helpful. So some coarse language, some four-letter words, um, which many Christians would just find indefensible. Um, and what do you think we can learn then, not just from Douglas Wilson himself, but from the way in which Christians are reacting to him, some attracted to him, some put off by him. What can we learn from this whole phenomenon that, that surrounds him? Well, I think it shows that Christians are looking out for someone who is just going to talk straight. So a, a lot of Christian leaders, for, for whatever reason, uh, feel the need to couch their teaching with so many caveats um, and not willing to talk on certain issues for fear of giving offence, that really they, they're very bland, and possibly in being so bland, they um, uh, seem to effectively compromise by uh, being unwilling to state historic Christian positions. And so people are, are drawn to him for the, for the straight talking, and simply by criticising him for the way that he expresses those things, um, might have some traction, but what would probably have more traction would be if we were surrounded by Christians talking uh, robustly, um, but more civilly, then I think his attraction would wane. But until that happens, I think his attraction will continue or increase. And so do you think then that there are Christians in this country and across the Western world who are sort of crying out for someone to be plain spoken speaking to the issues, um, but doing so in a way that, that is civil in its tone. Is, is, that what, is that where you're at? Yeah, I think, I, think people are, I think people are looking for people speaking to the issues. And the thing about Wilson is, um, when he is, uh, his use of, of, of bad language, I have never heard him use that language. I've only ever seen examples of that with people dredging them up. So that is, that is occasional. So I don't think that would... Um, be a, a big deal. I don't think there's so much looking for civility. I think they're just looking for straight talking. And if they're not finding it, they're going to look to see where it's coming. And if it's coming and they, they like what they hear. And someone I, I think I spoke to said that, they, that something to the effect of that Wilson was, was verbalising what they instinctively think and feel 
and they were pleased that someone said it. He has a big emphasis also on community um, and on family. Um, and a lot of people are attracted to that as well, as well as the straight talking on the cultural issues. I think you're right. And I think um, the straight talking on the cultural issues kind of meshes with that view on family, because a lot of the cultural issues, what it is to be a man, what it is to be a woman, what it is to be a husband, a wife or a father, what it is to be a young man in today's culture. Um, all these issues are affected by certain streams of thought in our culture. And so him speaking straight on a cultural issue wouldn't be so attractive if he were merely sounding off. I think his attraction is, yes, he'll sound off, but then he'll say, right, this is what you need to do. This is how you should live. Here are some very down-to-earth um, ways in which you can act. And, and, and addressing sin in people as well as simply giving them an excuse to, to do what they instinctively want to do. So what would you say to a young Christian? Let's say a young Christian comes to you and says, oh, I've stumbled across this, this man called Douglas Wilson and his ministry and all of his work. What, what sort of um, advice would you give to that young man? Well, I think I'd give the advice um, that I'd give to any uh, man or woman or young or old is that the, the safe way to receive teaching, and ironically, I think this is the way that, that Douglas Wilson himself would agree with, is from a local church because you get to know uh, the leaders personally um, and the qualifications in First Timothy 3 are qualifications that you need to know someone relationally and that should be your primary port of call for, for receiving teaching and you can discuss and whatever you, you gain from internet, you can gain helpful things uh, from different sources, but the, the most important thing for you to do is to be rooted in a local church, uh, know the people who are teaching you, be able to discuss that um, and whoever it is, Wilson or anyone else, it's um, unhealthy to be dominated by someone from afar. So root yourself in a local church, make that your main source of, of teaching and pastoral care. By all means, supplement it by other things that you might find useful online, but do so um, with the oversight of your, your elders and pastors at home. Is, it, is, that, is that a fair summary? Yes, uh, that's a fair summary. Great. Now, I think you've got a follow up article that you're planning to publish um, in ET as well. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So, in fact, the, the article I was writing about Wilson really uh, started as this article because there's a lot of uh, noise about Christian nationalism, which is sometimes just used as an abusive term uh, for anyone who you don't particularly like who's, who's a Christian who, who wants to live out their lives. But um, Stephen Wolf's written a book on Christian nationalism, which Wilson's um, Canon Press has published. Wilson's um, got a book out there called Mere, Mere Christendom. And I want to as assess those uh, books. And the, the article began with just trying to give a bit of background, uh, which kind of spawned into two articles, one explaining who Wilson was and then looking at this uh, the Christian nationalism angle. And the reason I want to look at this is not because I'm a um, a, a post-millennial paedo-baptist like Wilson is but I think what Wilson is effective in doing is he's effective in analyzing where we're at culturally and identifying some of the issues now I don't necessarily agree with Wilson's answer because I'm not a paedo-baptist pre-millennialist post-millennialist sorry but I think it's worth trying to work out how far we'd run with his analysis and where we would draw different conclusions 
by teasing out some of those biblical passages. Because I think the whole COVID period has made a lot of us have to have, do some very hard thinking as to the extent to which the state has authority over us and the time when we have to say, well, the state is going beyond its God-given authority and interfering into other areas. And people, Christians, non-Christians, believers, unbelievers, all been asking those questions. And given we've been asking those questions, I think it's a good time to analyse at a deeper level, which those who want to make a case for Christian nationalism need to. And if we don't agree with their case, then we need to be able to show from first principles, that is biblical principles, why we don't, where we think the scripture is not teaching that and why. Well, great. Well, we look forward to seeing that in the April 2024 edition of Evangelical Times. Paul, thank you for your time today. Well, if you would like to know more about Paul's article on Douglas Wilson or indeed any other article at ET, then simply visit our website, evangelical-times.org.